Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey PCC, it's Gary, and it's so good to be with you again on a Sunday. The only thing better is if we could be together in a live room, but given that we can't do that, it's a wonderful opportunity and privilege actually for me to be with you. Thank you so much for last week, and those of you who streamed us live and were in the chat rooms and interacting with our staff, I was in all four services. It was great watching you involve and engage in the service. Hey, I want you to know, Our hope is that we would be together again on Mother's Day live. We're hoping this whole thing is done by then, uh, but obviously that's out of our control. If we've learned anything in these last three weeks, what kind of control do we have? For control freaks like me, it's a big lesson. So I want to give you some highlights from last week. We asked you to take pictures and uh, to put those up and post those. And here's some of my favorites. All of them were great. Here's my favorites, just four. First of all, I evidently have this amazing children's ministry going on. We received two pictures from parents. They'll scroll through right now saying, man, it's hard to keep our kids mesmerized. But when you came on, they were glued in and locked in. So I just want you to know we're marketing this in a whole new way for nighttime sleep aids for children. You can just play this message and they'll go to sleep. I love this one. Uh, The PCCers, I think from Hudson, actually have a chalkboard on their kitchen wall and they've wrote Philippians 4, 4 to 8 on the kitchen wall. Way to go, you guys. Way to renew your mind with the truth of God's word. Last one, shout out to Levinson Summer in particular. She's a guest host at 905, part of the 905 crowd. And we were talking about let your gentleness be public or known to all. She posted this uh, and I loved it. Great job and just gathering community in a whole new way. That's what it's about. Okay, do me a favor. Grab your Bibles and we're going to pray and then we'll get into God's word together. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for this time. And I thank you that you're our Lord, as we're saying in our Lenten prayer, our benediction, uh, you call the shots. Our answer is yes. You ask the question. So guide us now as we dig into Philippians 4. Continue to show us how to walk with otherworldly peace in the midst of chaos. We love you. We're all in, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, while we were praying, I thought of one other thing I want you to know before we jump in, and it's this. Uh, Your giving is so important right now. You need to hear me. Our mission hasn't changed. We are empowering the generations to passionately follow Jesus Christ, one home, one person at a time. We've just moved that mission from on-site to online. Our priorities of gathering, growing, giving, and going are as important now more than ever. So I want to ask a couple things from you. If you've never given to PCC, now would be a great time to start so we can unleash compassion both in our body and in the community and offer hope to our community. There's a tab at the bottom of this where you can give online. If you're a regular PCCer and you've never signed up for automatic giving, now would be a great time. I want to encourage you to do that. Okay, let's jump into Philippians 4. You got your Bibles? Verse 4 to 8. 
Hey, did you know that when uh, mariners talk about when a sailor steps in or floats into a storm that is impossible to escape, you know what the name of that is? A perfect storm. They don't call it a perfect storm because it's, you know, perfect. They call it a perfect storm, not in a sense of ideal, but it's literally from an online definition, a rare combination of events and circumstances creating an unusually bad situation. In the case of Mariners, they say when you have hurricane force winds with thrusting rain coming down and cold, icy cold conditions, all three of those come together to form a perfect storm. Now, let me ask you a question. We don't need to be on the waters to experience a perfect storm, do we? I mean, many of us would describe it that we're in one right now. Think about the ingredients. Start with a pandemic that's causing fear globally. Add to that the fear of sickness and the health issues we're facing and the shortage or perceived shortage in hospitals should we all have to go to the hospital. Add to that the shelter in place orders that we're living under that's causing isolation. Then throw into that an economic downturn. Let the stock market crash 30% and layoffs happening and your jobs in jeopardy and there's economic insecurity. And then add to that having to live behind gloves like this and a mask that I can't even buy because they're not out anymore. And a toilet paper shortage. Any one of those factors would be formidable. I've lived long enough. Oh, I've never lived through a toilet paper shortage, but I've lived long enough where I've experienced one or two or three of those factors isolated. But you put them together and we're in a perfect storm. I was on a phone call, a Zoom call this week with about 30, 35 pastors from the Peninsula South, and they were talking about how Christian counseling centers of the Bay Area said in their counseling load, issues of anger and anxiety and addiction had doubled in the last two weeks. Friends, we're in a perfect storm, and I want you to pause. We're gonna, don't stop the video, but we're gonna take a 90 second pause. If you're alone, think about this yourself, but if you're in a group, maybe you wanna verbalize it. What are the ingredients of your perfect storm right now? What is the rare combination of things coming together that are causing a perfect storm for you? Ready, go.
Maybe you're listening to this going, thanks a lot, Jeej. I actually turned this on for hope and you're talking about storms. You know what? I wish if I could, I'd be in your room and just take off the gloves and get really real and answer this question. Is peace possible right now? Maybe you think it's not. But what we're doing for three weeks in the midst of the storm is listening for a voice in God's word that's coming to us from 2,000 years ago. But it's still as relevant and active today because the word of God is living and active. It's the voice of the Apostle Paul, a voice that he wrote when he was sheltered in place, a letter he wrote when he was sheltered in place in a Roman prison. And you know what? He is saying, absolutely, peace is possible. And we're learning to walk the path of peace. And here's the essence of what I want you to leave with, not only today, but walk with this week and in these coming weeks. Peace begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitudes towards our circumstances change. See, biblical peace is unrelated to circumstances. You can be in the midst of great trials and still have biblical peace. As a matter of fact, when peace is promised, and it is throughout Scripture, it wasn't promised in some Disneyland-type setting where everything was great. It was promised when things were chaotic. Well, when there were perfect storms. And so we're talking about how to walk a path of peace. And last week from Romans, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter four, verse four to eight, we talked about the first two steps in verse four and in verse five. Do you remember them? Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The first step is relentless rejoicing. Focusing your mind and praising God for what never changes. He never changes. And then the second step was from verse 5. Uh, public gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all. Why? And here's the only way to public gentleness. Because the Lord is near. He's right there with you in the storm. And now we're going to read and learn about the next two steps in the path to peace. Look in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Let's pick it up in verse 6 and read through verse 7. He says, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, Paul says, you've got to dethrone anxiety. You need to say, at least I'm having to, hey, fear, hey, panic, hey, worry. You're not going to be my boss in this. My life was given over to the Lord. I'm going to let him be my boss. Did you know it takes as much energy to focus on worry as it does to focus on peace? It's just the outcomes that are different. So Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he promises, and the peace of God, which surpass or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's slow down and take that one verse at a time, and let's take the next two steps on the path to peace. Are you ready? Okay, our next step, our third step on the path to peace is this, from verse 6, praying with passion. Praying with passion. Look at verse 6. In essence, here's what Paul says. Pray, 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 pray. Four times he mentions pray in four different ways, actually. 
When you think about the Word of God and the power of prayer, I just did some thinking today. Prayer stopped storms. Prayer calmed waves. Prayer healed the sick. Prayer raised the dead. Heck, in the Old Testament, prayer even stopped time. Friends, we need to transform our panic with prayer. I was thinking about this, like, what's the alternative? All our other shelters, all the other voices we turn to for security, I don't know if you've noticed this, I call them our American idols, they've been silenced. Hollywood's not producing any films right now. Can't go to the theater for a shelter. Uh, think about sports, That's, I love sports, right? Stadiums are empty. There's nothing in sports. Your screen, they don't have a lot of answers. It actually, the more screen time you spend, the more anxiety gets raised. Even Washington can't get along to help us get through this. Look at verse six. There's a better alternative to the, than those shelters. You know what it's called? Prayer. Let's take those words one at a time. And he says, be anxious for anything, but in every situation through prayer. What does that word mean? General devotion. The word includes an umbrella for prayer, worship, adoration. Generally, pray. And then he says, and petition. What's unique about that word? Unique to the word petition in the original Greek New Testament is this. The sense of humility. When a servant comes before a master with a petition, they don't demand their way. They completely entrust their request to the master. And Paul's saying from his Roman prison, you know what? Part of prayer is saying, you're the Lord. You have every right to answer or not. But we know his character. He's a good father. And so we come to him, not to shake our fist, but we come to say, God, would you please? And then he says, with thanksgiving, we'll get to that in a minute, make your requests. There's the third word for prayer. You know what requests are? There's a sense of telling God exactly what we want. I know in my, you know, in my prayer journey, in my growth in prayer, it started really general. God bless my day. God bless my daughters. God bless this. You know what I'm learning? I can be specific. Bless my day prayers won't work and won't get you through this. Be specific. Tell God what you want. Pray the particulars of your problem to God. Tell God what exactly you're asking for. You know, I learned a lot about prayer before I was even a Christian. I didn't become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, till my freshman year in college. But I learned about prayer my sophomore year in high school. And I'm thankful for Marine Catholic High School for so many things. But probably the biggest lesson I learned was from my sophomore high school chemistry class. And I've lost touch with him, but Dr. Harry Matzinger taught me a lot. Here's the deal. If you did a brain scan on my brain, you'd reveal, it would reveal a missing region in my brain around science in general and in chemistry in particular. I hated chemistry. I never got it. But fortunately, God had the providence to put me in a class with Harry Matzinger. I remember my first test. I bombed it. I, I just completely bombed it. And I, I could still see it as if it was, you know, it was 40 years ago. I'm that old. But as if it was yesterday, Harry wrote on the side of my test, Gary, the more you write, the more you're wrong. If you don't know the answer, save us both time and just leave it blank. 
I came to him after that test. Actually, he said, would you stay after class? And I said, okay, I thought I was in trouble. But I came to him and Dr. Matzinger said this. He said, Gary, I'm here to help you learn chemistry. If you have problems with the problem, come see me. So I got to tell you, I sat in the same place every, every day in high school chemistry and I would beeline it. I, I like put a groove in the floor to Dr. Matzinger's desk. And when I ever had a problem, I said, hey, Dr. Matzinger, remember you promised to help me if I had a problem? I got a problem. And he would look at me with a smile and said, what can I do for you? I still had the problem, mind you, but here's what I did. I entrusted that problem to Dr. Matzinger, to someone who knew how to solve it. That's what we're doing in prayer. We're saying to God, I, I got a problem here. I don't pray about things I can do. I'm asking you to do something I can't do, God. All these things out of my control. I'm praying. Remember what we learned two weeks ago? From 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares onto God because he cares for you. See, casting is an intentional act to relocate an object. And what I'm doing in prayer is saying, God, I've got this burden. It's too heavy for me. So here, oh, you take it. That's prayer. The next step in the path to peace is to pray. And in verse 6, what the Apostle Paul is doing is saying this. Look at it in your Bible. Pray, 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 pray. Four times. So here's the deal, and here's what I want you to know about prayer. On, if you're watching this live, there's a chat to the right of your screen. On the bottom is a tab that says prayer. You push that, and a live pastor will go right to a live pastor, and you can go into a private room where they can pray with you personally. And then I want you to know this, every day online via PCC, we're having uh, prayer meetings from 12 to one o'clock. It's called If My People, from noon to one, Monday to Friday. You can get on a Zoom call and we're praying together for God to do something supernatural through this. You're not alone at all. Uh, I want you to know that God's peace comes when we know he's shouldering our burdens. It's so important. Our church fathers uh, and mothers called this benevolent detachment. I've been learning to walk through my days and saying this, it's a simple line, but it has given me so much peace. It's a breath prayer where I say, God, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. It's just detaching myself from having to carry it alone. And then I get specific. Here's what I want you to know about this step. Peace begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitude towards them does. That's so important. So the Apostle Paul, verse 6, said, Hey, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's the third step. Let's go to the fourth. Are you ready? Here it is. Tenacious thanksgiving. You know, all these steps, they're very simple, but they're not easy. Okay? So track with me. Step four, tenacious thanksgiving. It's a mindset that says, I will be thankful regardless of my context. 
What is gratitude? What is thankfulness? Gratitude is the mindful awareness of the benefits of life. The mindful awareness of the benefits in life. There's a leading research and expert actually on gratitude. His name is Robert Emmons, E-M-M-O-N-S. I spell it because I want you to Google him. He is a leading expert on gratitude. He has studied the physical, tangible benefits of practicing the discipline of gratitude. You know what he says? The physical benefits of grateful people. Here's what he's found. There's less aches and pains. And grateful people. Grateful people on the whole have lower blood pressures. Grateful people exercise more. Grateful people take better care of themselves. Grateful people sleep longer. Grateful people have less nighttime interruptions. I found that really funny. I would recommend not drinking before you go to bed. But grateful people have less nighttime interruptions. And here's the key one that triggered and caught my eye. Grateful people have stronger immune systems. Did you catch that? Literally, part of our protection in COVID-19, part of it is being grateful. It will have physical benefits to our whole immune system. I have found that one heartfelt thank you sucks the oxygen out of worry's world. One heartfelt thank you sucks the oxygen out of worry's world. So say it often. Focus on what you do have and less on what you don't have. Focus on how God is meeting you and less on what's out of your control. You know, last week I made a phone call to a PCCer who turned 84. And I'll call him, well, his first name is Jim. And I called Jim knowing that he's facing some challenging circumstances. Uh, he is literally sheltered in place. He's dealing with uh, coming from recovery from a broken bone. He's got a chronic ailment. There's a lot that Jim could look to and go, man, this is hard. But when I called him on his 84th birthday, you know what he told me? He said, I woke up this morning and I said, thank you, God, for another day. Man, that ministered to me. Here I am calling him to minister to him. I was thinking, oh, what am I going to get? And he ministered to me. How? Through his gratitude. It was contagious. Are you thankful? When's the last time you expressed gratitude to God and to each other? Now, let's remember the context that Paul's writing this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and he says this, here's our point, with thanksgiving. What was his context? It's remarkable. Remember, he wrote this from a jail cell instead of a home. He had four walls instead of the mission field that he loved. He was in chains instead of in jewelry. He had a guard, actually two next to him, instead of a partner or an encourager. How could he be content? Here's a secret. I, I, this is going to bring value to so many of us. How could he be content? It's really simple. It's not easy. It's really simple, though. He was continually thankful for what was eternally available. He was continually thankful for what was eternally available. What did he have that couldn't get taken away? He had eternal life. He had God's love. He had the forgiveness of sins. He had the security of salvation. He had Jesus. In other words, what he had in Christ was far greater than what he didn't have in his life. I know for me, when I go to anxiety and worry, I focus on what I don't have 
or what, well, yeah, what I don't have. But what Paul was doing was focusing on who he had and who he had was Jesus. And Jesus was with him in the jail cell, just like he was with him in the temple. Here's an interesting detail about his letter to Philippians. Within its 104 verses, that's all that's in Philippians, 104 verses, Paul mentions Jesus 40 times. Did you catch that? In other words, and this is simple math, right? I learned this my freshman year at Marine Catholic, thanks to Sister Joan, my math teacher. Uh, what, in other words, one in every two and a half verses in the book of Philippians, Paul's mentioning Jesus. No wonder there's so much joy in the book. No wonder he's at peace because he's fixated on Jesus. I have an experience where most mornings I go through what I call my daily declarations. I audibly speak truth into my life about my identity, about who I am in Christ, about the roles I play. And one of my daily declarations is this, what I have today. Listen to this. This is, it helps me focus on what I do have in Jesus. Here's what I say. I have God who's crazy about me. And I have the forces of heaven to monitor and protect me. I have the living presence of Jesus within me. In Christ, I have everything. Jesus gives me a joy that can never be taken, a grace that will never expire, and a wisdom that will ever increase. Jesus is my fountain of living hope that will never be exhausted. Listen, that hasn't changed in the last three weeks. That won't change when I'm 90 or 100 if I live that long. That's helping me focus in gratitude on what I do have in Christ as opposed to what I don't have. Maybe that would be helpful for you. And let me ask you this question as we wrap up this point. How many of you, I mean this sincerely, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, or even if you're not, how many of you would walk in the will of God if I could show it to you clearly? If I showed you beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is God's will. How many of you would raise your hand right now, wherever you are, raise your hand. How many of you would say, I'll walk in that will? Ian Pitter's behind me on the camera. His hand is raised. He's doing this. Peace out. My daughter Bella's here. Is your hand raised? Bella's hand's raised too. All right. All three of us are in agreement right now. I want to show you the will of God. If you're taking notes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. Here's what it says. This is not a suggestion. Another prison epistle that Paul wrote from a prison. He said, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know what? That sounds great, except these words always, continually, all circumstances. But God knows what we need to thrive. It's been proven by Dr. Robert Emmons. I told you about that. This is the way to thrive, my friends, to engage in what a friend of mine who's a psychologist calls thank therapy. Thank therapy. So we're going to take another 90 seconds. And if you're watching this alone, just think about it in your mind or write it down. I, I literally write this down. And if you're with a group, talk about it in the room. Here's the question I have for us. What are you thankful for right now? There's a lot of takeaways in this coronavirus uh, epidemic or pandemic that we're in. But here's my question. What is it that's coming to our life, your life, that you can be grateful for? Take 90 seconds, think it through, or talk it through. Ready? Go.
Now, let me ask you a question. That 90 seconds, didn't your energy lift a little bit? Didn't something happen internally in you as you focused on gratitude as opposed to takeaway? I know mine does. As I go through thank therapy every morning, I try to start my day with my thank therapy. Now, where's the path leading? We're focused on Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and we have one more step next week, okay? We'll get to that in verse 8. But verse 7, Paul shows us where this path is leading. Have you forgotten the verse? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, here's where the path leads. We're going to close our time today with this. In the peace of God which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, what we're talking about is nonsensical peace, otherworldly peace, jaw-dropping, no way. Why are you so peaceful kind of peace? See, we might be socially distancing, but I know, I know this church. We're not distancing from community and from relationships. As you're on your walk or as you're on your run or as well, you're on doing whatever you're doing in life and you're walking with this kind of peace, this otherworldly Holy Spirit infused peace, people are going to ask you, why are you freaking out? Well, aren't you scared? And you can go, oh, I'm living in the same world you are, but I've, I've given my life to the God of the universe who created this whole thing. And I'm trusting him that he's going to get me through. And if he, even if he doesn't, I know where my story ends, right in his presence. That's the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Friends, peace can actually be an apologetic to help people understand the goodness of God. See, we need peace in the midst of perfect storms like this. Okay, I'm going I'm to let you in on something. Uh, we were filming this midweek, and I went for a run this morning with somebody. I was in Edgewood Park at 7 a.m. on a run. It was beautiful. We mostly kept our social distancing. I didn't touch the guy, but we were running together. And I got to tell you, I didn't need peace. Well, I did on the uphills, but I didn't need peace for most of my run in Edgewood Park. It was, the dew was just settled, it just rained. The sun was breaking through. There was quiet, there was beautiful trees. Uh, we even passed a group of deer. It was awesome. We don't need peace in times like that. We need peace in the storms. And friends, we have the peacemaking God who promises peace in our chaos. So did you see in verse six and seven, look in your Bibles again, there's a contrast. It opens with anxiousness, worry. We talked about that. The word means two weeks ago to divide a divided mind. Uh, I love how one author put it. Worry is imagining a future without Jesus in it. Worry is when you feel divided from God and you're on your own and, and your mind is divided. But then the passage ends in verse 7 with peace. Peace. You know what the Greek word of peace is? It means to join. Did you catch this? Paul's amazing. In verse 6, he's saying, be anxious. Don't be divided in your mind. But be at peace. It's a tranquility that rises up within you when the pieces of your life are put back together because Jesus is at the center of it. And friends, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear my heart. This is where Jesus is at his best. In the midst of chaos, Jesus creates. In the midst of chaos, Jesus creates. 
But if you think about it, from Genesis to the Gospels, creation always came out of chaos. Think about the, the creation of the world. There was chaos, and God formed creation. Think of Jesus working his miracles. There was chaos physically or emotionally or with death, and Jesus created from that something beautiful. Think about this, the coming kingdom. There's going to be chaos, right? And I, want to, I don't want to fill you with bad news, but the reality is we're going to get through this. That's the good news. But you know what? Something else is going to come on us, right? Another 9-11 or another national crisis or a stock market crash. This is the world we live in. But Jesus promises in the book of Revelation, a new creation, a coming kingdom is coming. And in the book we were uh, studying before we broke to do this series, 1 Peter, do you remember it? In chapter 1, verse 13, you know what he said? Fix your mind fully, fix your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. I promise you, out of chaos comes creation. And Jesus promises when you walk this path of obedience, peace will come on you. Now, I want you to note, verse 7, look again in your Bible. This is not peace from God. This is really important, everybody. Don't miss this. This is the peace, are you ready? Of God. In other words, God taps into his own storehouse of his personal peace and gives it to you. Uh, one time a while back, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I was at a friend's house who's, who um, collects wine, great wine, from all over the world. I'd never met someone so into wine as this guy. Now, my family, when they immigrated from Italy, and my family's still in Italy, are all about wine. My brother makes a mean wine that's won awards at the state fair. Shout out. He's actually watching this. Shout out to you, Mike. Thanks for all that you are. Uh, anyway, I was with this man, and I'll call him Jack. It's not his real name, but I said, Jack, can I ask you a question? He lived in Portola Valley, and now he moved. But I said, can I just see your wine cellar? And he's like, oh, my gosh. And so he took me down, and it was amazing. It was amazing. And then he turned to me and pulled out this bottle of this wine from a Bordeaux region, which was created for the popes. It had the papal seal in glass on it. He said, I want you to have this. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's not why I came down here. I, I, I'm not asking for your wine. It's just enough to see the cellar because I know how much you're into wine. He said, no, no, no. I really want you to have this. It's not like he bought a wine and just, you know, gave me a wine. I got one of his best bottles of wine given to me. Why do I share that? Because in verse 7, that's exactly, in a sense, what Paul's saying God does. He just doesn't, like, broker out peace to have someone else give us peace. It's not the peace from God. It's the peace of God. It's his own personal storehouse of peace that he says, I'll infuse into you. That's the promise, my friends. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Again, in a time of great chaos, right before he was about to die, he turned to his followers and said, hey, I'm going to give you peace. Peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. I'm not giving it to you the way the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. This peace, Paul says, and he knew this, he was chained to guards, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It's as if Paul's saying, I know a lot about guards right now as he's writing this. He's saying, just like these guys are making sure I don't escape, this peace of God will guard your heart 
to make sure that anxiety doesn't get in and worry doesn't get in and you don't escape to unhealthy things. You can rest in God. I love how Martin Luther said, and I'm reading a biography of his right now, when he wrote that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress. He said this, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. That's what the peace of God is. It is a mighty fortress to guard your hearts and minds. Okay, we got to wrap this up. What am I trying to say to you? Friends, we're in a storm. This is a perfect storm. And what I'm trying to tell you, the essence of what I want to get across today is this. Peace begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitudes toward our circumstances change. And with Jesus in our storm, we can walk with an otherworldly sense of peace. Because we believe and belong to Jesus, We can have peace in the storm. The same Jesus that filled Paul with peace right there in that Roman prison wants to reach down right where you are in your shelter and place and give you peace. Here's what he promised. Literally in Isaiah 43, 2, God says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. But he invites us, it's real simple, but it's not easy to walk the path of peace. We have some responsibility in this. God invites us to relentless rejoicing, the first step, to public gentleness, the second step, praying with passion, the third step, tenacious thanksgiving, the fourth step. And we walk those steps, God promises a peace of his the peace of his, from his storehouse of peace, his very own peace, which is nonsensical, will transform our hearts and minds and guard them in Christ Jesus. So I want to close in prayer. And then next week, we'll look at the last step from verse eight. But before we pray, I got an important question for you. Have you given your life to Jesus? I mean that. I'm not asking if you believe in Jesus. I'm asking if you've handed over the reins of your life saying, Jesus, this is way out of my control. Life is out of my control. I can't do this anymore. You do it. And you're saying, you know what? I don't want to be my own CEO. You be the CEO of my life. You run my life, Jesus. If you've never done that, I want to quickly encourage you. Jesus stands before you right where you are in your shelter in place. He sees you. He loves you so much. You weren't created to walk this life alone. And he offers you eternal life. And he invites you to make an exchange. It's a gift, eternal life. My wife gave me this ring on our 15th anniversary. But it wasn't mine till I took it from her. Jesus is offering you the gift of eternal life for free. But you've got to receive it. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, I I just want you to know this path to peace stuff, it'll never work because you don't have Christ in you walking through you. But right here, right now, you can say yes to Jesus. So as we close in prayer, I'm going to start with you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you can do that. And then there's a tab on the bottom right-hand side where you can click Again, to get to a pastor, it's not the prayer tab, it's the tab where you receive Christ and a pastor will follow up. We'll follow up with you because we want you to say yes to Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this time. 
Thank you so much for the way that so many more people are clicking through these messages than even attend when we were meeting in person. And I thank you that right now in that shelter in place, you're very real in the room, more real than, than anything. And you've been tapping on the hearts of people. And Father, for those who've never said yes to you, I pray that they would respond right now and just say yes. Okay, make my words your words, okay? The words aren't magical, but it's your, your heart attitude. So make my words your words if you've never said yes to Jesus. Jesus, I, I want to say yes. I thank you for dying on the cross for me, for forgiving me. I can't, I can't do this on my own. And I'm not asking you to be a, an addition to my life. I'm giving you my life. All the pieces, all the mess, all the brokenness. I'm giving that to you. And Jesus, I'm exchanging it for your life. Step in. And make a difference in me. Run my life. I want to obey you. I want to follow you. Thank you for new life. I'm giving you mine right now. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And remember, if you prayed that with me, click that tab so we can get information to you and help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Now, let's all close in prayer together. Father, again, it's not simple. I'm sorry, it's not, it is simple, but it's not easy. So would you empower us to walk the path of peace? Would you use us, Lord, in this pandemic, in this chaos, to be agents of hope for your glory and for the good of people? We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, I mean audibly, right now where you are, everybody said, Amen. Hey, before we broke and sheltered in place, we were doing a daily Lenten benediction, and we only have one more week in Lent, but I want to close our time together how we were closing during our season of Lent. So you can either repeat this silently with me or speak it with me audibly. Here we go. Let's, let's say this together as we close our time. God, send me. Use me. I'm not asking for details. I don't need to know the benefits or if it'll be easy, or if I'll enjoy it. Because of who you are, my God, my King, my Savior, I trust you. Because you're sovereign over the universe, I surrender my will to you, every part of me. Take my mind, my eyes, my mouth, my ears, my heart, my hands, and my feet, and guide me toward your will. I trust you, God. My answer is yes. Now, what's your question? Okay, God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.